Hello, welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello, Michael. How are you doing? Hello. Hello, Mark. I'm fine. How are you doing? Well, I've had a holiday. Oh, good. I've spent some time taking photographs, wandering the beaches on the south coast. Yeah, um, yeah. I've had a little bit of time away from the business, which is always good. And I think I probably needed that because it's yeah. been pretty hectic recently. So um, I'm back and, and fairly refreshed. But go easy on me because my brain is just starting to pick up again. You know what it's it like after it holiday? Yeah, <laughs> well, I hope it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the phase of I need a holiday, but let's, yeah. we'll power through. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I, something I wanted to start this yeah. um, podcast with is to thank you for the invite to come out to travel over to Belgium. Um, I didn't I didn't know what to expect, really. It's, it's only my second or third time in Belgium, but... I actually really enjoyed the presentations. It was great to meet so many people within the software uh, sector. Mm -hmm. um, we had a bit of fun in the presentations. I think there was some really good feedback. Great venue as well. I, I, I didn't know how that was going to work, but it did. It really worked. And um, It was, a, maybe we should explain, it was like yeah. a VR play hall. So it had uh, several, the size of a basketball field i would say yeah several places where yes. you actually had all the gear like a rucksack and a gun a proper gun and then the helmet like with the goggles and uh so we had about 40 people all uh execs of uh scale-ups most of them some let's say some corporates a few startups yeah, and the idea is simple there were yeah. some more established businesses there as yeah. well that i spoke to that's quite interesting yeah and and the, the the rule is simple speak openly about what's going on so we we try to be pretty exclusive you've you've now i've seen it so I, I really fans of some people because i want them to be open and yes. then we had some fun with the vr shooting which is fun um feedback was actually pretty good so i also shared all the presentation we recorded some i think so mark one of the things we should do is we should we have one or two recordings that i'll probably share with our listeners also that so they can have a look at, at what people are saying there because uh first speech was uh, I always do the introduction with like the state of the play, what's happening in the sales. So yes. I talked a lot about the sales pitch and how to do it. And then you see everybody taking pictures. Uh, and then the second speaker was all about partners and channels. So what, what did you think of that? No, I thought it, I thought it was interesting. Um, there were, there were, I, I must admit, I, was, I wasn't sitting there taking notes, but I was sitting at the back. And I deliberately was doing that. I was actually standing at the back because... From the back, you can see how people are reacting. And yeah. I think I was sort of standing there nodding to a lot of the points. I think yeah. that there were some really good points in all of the presentations uh, that were being made. I agree. I agree. And uh, then we had uh, Kuhn from Ambassify talking about the startup journey. And um, he's always adding some a lot of jokes and a lot of, a lot of <laughs> little movies, <laughs> which are sometimes like, what? But uh, <laughs> it kind of worked. And, and yeah. I mean, it's interesting to hear the struggle, uh, the struggle of hiring people and then paying commissions and then uh, finding money. And then when should you raise it? And he, he, I mean, he went pretty deep into that. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it was interesting, and I I think that 
I think what you've done well there is you've created a group where there's there's a sort of a bit of trust. People mm-hmm. are, are fairly open. Yeah. Um, and I think that's good. That's a good, it's a difficult balance sometimes, but they, none of them I could see were seeing each other as competitors. They were seeing each other as allies and there was no reason for them to think of themselves in that way because it was quite a diverse group as regards the particular areas that their solutions addressed. And, and I think you always learn a lot from your peers. You know, you've got Absolutely. various perspectives on things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And then, of course, we had Peter, our friend Peter, who does all my YouTube videos, really yes. sharing. The youngest in the room, sharing all how you should take the movies and how you could set up a, what all the YouTube strategies are, which is pretty interesting. And you still see the crowd, although there are, some of them are pretty young. They're looking at it and they're thinking, oh, this is... This is, this is pretty new and, and it doesn't sound that difficult. It's, and it's a machine you need to build. And okay, there is some costs involved, but it's actually all reasonable. And then, of course, we had the main man, Mark, on the stage, which I was very curious because I was ready with tons of jokes and annoying things like uh, a clock <laughs> oh, no, that you, counted you... back because I know you like to go over time. So I had this clock <laughs> in his face, dear listeners. He couldn't escape. Everybody was watching Mark and then the <laughs> clock thinking, ooh, but you did well, my friend. You did well. I did keep reasonably to time, didn't I? And 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 you don't don't worry. I mean, you did throw out plenty of insults over the whole <laughs> few course. days. I mean, <laughs> you were very annoying. So, objective achieved there. <laughs> yeah. We should actually do something similar in the UK. I think so we I have think so. one in Belgium, yeah. and yeah. and that's let's say mainly aimed at Benelux. Uh, we had a French guy once, of course. They're they're always welcome, but we should do something similar in the UK because no, I def- think it's a different scale. Yeah, I I thought um, I thought that the fact that there was that sort of trusted group, there was a lot of sharing going on. By the way, I think Peter did very well because yeah. I've met Peter a number of times and I've never seen him present, but I thought he did an excellent job. I don't know if how much he's used to presenting in front of a group like that, but I thought it, it came across very well. Lots of very useful, valuable information, and and he presented with confidence even when. We ran out of power at one stage and he couldn't show his PowerPoint. He kept talking, <laughs> which was good. That was just a little test for him, was it? I gave him one lesson. Whatever happens, pretend it's normal. And then <laughs> it was my battery of my laptop that went out. And I'm like, damn, poor guy. And did, did you like me coming on to the music of Space Odyssey as well? Because yeah, that, that was, was that was your he idea. Yeah. <laughs> then I, I made the comment and said, "I told you this guy is old." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was you gave me that idea because I think it was on one of these podcasts. I don't know if it was actually when it was being recorded or afterwards. When you said to me, "Wow, you were really going for it," he said, oh, "You said I almost imagined that there was like space music in the background as you were talking." That and I thought, <laughs> "I'll get him. I'll bring my own space music with me." <laughs> But it was good fun. No, I really enjoyed it. And afterwards, there was lots of good questions coming from the guys, uh, things that, you know, really made me think. And, and hopefully I'll be able to sort of deliver a bit of value and, and answer, a, give them a few answers. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed so the game as well. Let's let's jump. Yeah. Let's jump to a, a more difficult uh, business question, Mark. Um, I was with a customer uh, this week. There were about 60 to 70 people. They sell a SaaS software. It's actually not relevant what they're selling for this question. Yep. And then they asked me the question, so I'm, I'm helping them with sales strategy. And they have a sales team, which is a bit distributed, and it's not too big. So I'm talking about, let's say, eight people. So you have some in New York, some in Europe. And then the question comes at, how do we, how do we, where do we aim? 
And then there are several ways of doing this. So you can do it, for instance, on geography. Uh, let's let's tackle the U.S. Yes. market. Or you could say, no, I'm going to do it by industry or by vertical. I tend to like that strategy more for the simple reason that you can have a very targeted approach because of the problem and the personas you're addressing. Uh, let's say uh, I'm just naming something, telco. But there is also a third one, which is like a pure, more functional type of approach where even large and small ones, you all bucket them in, you, you put them in a bucket of, of like, this is what they're looking for. So I'm just wondering. What, what, do you mean, what do you mean by that? This is what they're looking for. Explain that to me a little bit more. For instance, even within, if you take telco or you compare that to a bank, to two very different, two very different industries. But oh, yet, do you mean sort of by solution? Yeah, that could yeah. go across many. Yes, yes, yes could go across exactly. many sectors, but it but could the, be a yeah. similar sort of solution. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, and it's a bit a, it's a bit of a, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge, especially when you have smaller sales teams. And large sales teams, it's rather obvious in most cases. But smaller sales teams, you you can't stretch them too much either, right? So where do you balance? Well, what would be your advice when you? You listen to this. Is there a preference? Do you, something you like more than others? Or are you saying, ah, Michael, I would never go on geography, for instance? I mean, this <laughs> sounds silly, but <laughs> I know um, silly, silly things sometimes. So I'm just going <laughs> to mention it. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think quite often you do need to be able to target by geography um, because mm. you're looking to establish a a footprint in a country. You know, maybe. I can remember a time in the software sector, particularly in the UK, where their ambitions, a lot of the UK companies, was to establish themselves in the States and, you know, quite often New York, Boston, somewhere on the East Coast would be a target. So in that instance, you're talking about perhaps getting some technical people there and a salesman and you need to be able to start generating some fuel for the salesman, yeah. some leads. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's important that your your marketing would need to be focused. Are you talking more about from the perspective of positioning in positioning the business, how you how yeah. you look at it, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. The, the the typical thing what happens is then let's let's imagine you go for instance solution based, and then yeah. you don't really speak the ling- lingo or the language yes. of a certain. Vertical, yeah. and then this guy sitting in a telco comes to your side and says, "I don't find anything that matches to me." Yeah. That's a very. I, 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 my feeling is with very technical, more technical oriented products, it is easier to go solution type of approach because the the technic, technical people always will look for something very specific and then try and and download it and play around with it. In a more business oriented approach, I think it's much more difficult. I. My gut feeling is you need to almost kind of verticalize or industrialize the approach. Yeah, I think probably most of the time, I think that's correct. I mean, what what we are talking about there is 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 a big strategic question. Yeah, yes, yeah, not an easy one. <laughs> no, it's not. No, and it changes it's, it's over time tough. within companies. Yeah. I see yeah. it's like a like a balance going left to right. So they go vertical and then they come back and then you get the matrix uh, approach and then you get the dotted line approach and it becomes really messy after a while. There's so many different factors that you have to take into consideration in order to come to hopefully the right answer for that. Um, but I mean, we're here to try and give some of those answers and try yep. to create clarity from some of these more complex issues. So, you know, I do my best in that respect. 
I think, you know, I've been working and doing some work um, with some colleagues of mine for a company, a very well-established software company um, based in Germany. And yeah. we have been doing just that, that bit of work for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's taken two months, two months of really hard work. Now, I actually love that sort of work because although I suppose as, as the founder CEO of Boss Equity, I need to be working on the business. I never want to get totally detached from the work that, and the service that we actually deliver because you need to keep that feel. But also, I enjoy doing it. But yeah. I must admit, it's really hard work. Now, the issue that they had is probably very different. Well, it is very different to a company that is at a startup or is at, perhaps at the early scale up. They've been around for a long time. They've got a very successful established product. What they were doing was that they were launching a second major product for them. And they didn't want that second product to cannibalize the sales from the first because that's where their their existing profit and revenue is coming from. But at the same time, they knew that their new product was what's going to happen, what, what was going to be their success in the future. Now, because they've been going so long, and because of the size of the organization, you know, you're talking employees in the hundreds, multiple hundreds. We're not talking, you know, smaller than that. They've got references. They've got experience in a number of different vertical sectors. Yeah. So the issue is different. What we were doing there is making sure that there was clarity regarding what it was that this solution did, what, what the benefits were. And we were making sure that it was also, it was given you know, our competitive space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no yeah. good going out there and creating something else that is exactly the same as 20 other people, 20 other organizations that have got a bigger marketing budget and more established and are already in that area. You're not going to have much of an impact. You've got to place it in comparison to the competitive landscape. That job in itself is, a, is quite a major one uh, and it's quite difficult to do. So you have to take all of that into consideration there were a number of other issues as well, one of them which is that they essentially had two customers. Hmm. You've got the systems integrator, the VAR, and you've got the end user, of which they will be selling to both. How do you yeah. create that positioning that works and covers all of those things? The other aspect to it was that they also had to take a company that had predominantly been German, and they now nice. wanted to become international. Yeah. So... There's a there's many many layers now. If you go to a smaller organisation, you know a hypothetical small startup, I think what I see works, and you and I would always probably tend to guide and mentor these startups is to find their niche and focus and go deep. But there's one proviso to that is I think in the very early stages quite often where there's a number of unknowns as to where that niche needs to be. They need to try a few things out. And I think that can be very successful. So in the early days, you've got a solution. You can see that actually it could work in a number of different verticals. Mm-hmm. And you, you may need to go and try that. So it, uh, that's contrary to what we would typically say, which is find where that easiest first step is, that vertical and go hard and go fast and really get to understand those people in that sector, how they think. I'm sure, yeah. you know, that's right. a similar sort of thing you'd be saying to, to you know, to your yeah. clients. And, and 
create a landing page. Yes. Try try the message very specific, either to the vertical or to the whatever you're trying, and and just get some traffic there. So you 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 aim the gun really really sharp. That's and I the think trick. and I think the ge- the geographical one we have it. You know, we 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 operate in a number of different countries. And obviously, we're very focused because we are only operate. We offer a service just for software vendors. But we will also state is when we're reaching out to companies that we've identified that could be a good fit for us is we have somebody who's in the Austin area, who's just a few miles from you. So we are specialists for the software sector. You know, this is our history. This is a background. And we've got somebody who's on your doorstep. Well, that that raises you above other organizations yep. is knowing somebody there is a hand, although we live in the internet world. Um, it's nice to also have that feeling that there's somebody at hand that you can get face to face with um, because that's important as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now I'll give you the growth hackers advice. That would be check, check out your competition and see where their traffic is coming from. <laughs> yes. Doesn't mean they're buying it, but at least you know what's kind of happening, sitting in the background. Yes. So that works. That works too. Yeah, I think traffic. I mean, we we spoke about a bit about this before this call, actually, very briefly. Traffic yeah. is one of those things that could can be useful, but it can also be very deceiving. No, no, yeah, yeah, you can have the, I'll give you a very good example of that. I'm in a company, I was there today, this morning, and they do um, IT services. So they basically, you you don't want to be bothered with um, the whole administration of your laptop, but the license service, all of that stuff. So they do that as a service, see? So you kind of outsource it completely. At a certain stage, every company Ooh. thinks about it. So it's Ooh. a more classic I would have a chat with you about that then. <laughs> yeah, so it's for me also. I was thinking, ah, that, that, you know. So because we all want it to work, we don't want to spend time on it. And when it doesn't work, we want to call a guy. <laughs> Give me a number. I'll, actually, that's that's their. I told them that that's your value pitch, right? You just want it to work. Now, yeah. these one day on their website, they made a post, and it's the post is literally five lines. And the five lines talk about how can you swap your QWERTY keyboard. You know, keyboard has a certain layout. How can you swap the layout of the keyboard into another language? For instance, we in uh, Belgium, we have an AZERTY keyboard. And you guys have a QWERTY and you have multiple variances. They have, I think, about 1,000 people a day coming to that page to read those five lines. So I said to them, guys... So, because I looked into the stats and had about 50, 60,000 visitors in a month. And I'm like, guys, 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 you so need to do stuff around this and put, you know, all the bait and the triggers and all. And, and, then, we, and then I started debating. I said, but although I'm guessing that 99% of those people is not your customer. It's just somebody <laughs> looking for a, very, a quick fix. Oh, I've got, I got a story to tell you then. <laughs> it, just, it reminded me. It, it's actually really important. I've, um, you know, I, I haven't got a great deal of faith with a lot of marketing agencies that I come across. True. Because I've worked with so many clients and I've seen the money that they've invested. And when we're working with a company to help build them and they're looking for an exit at some yeah. stage, the performance of that marketing agency is really critical to me. I start to take it very personally and I get involved and I have a look. Hey. 
And it's dangerous to yeah. And I, I look at it, I look at it with a very objective eye. You know, it's how much were they paying paid? What are the results? What are the results in sales? And I know that there's a lot of marketing services that probably less so, and I think a lot of people have wised up around search engine optimization mm-hmm. and about mm-hmm. hits on websites. Yeah. And I know that there were some very sharp operators out there that they could get you almost as many hits as you liked on your website. Because mm-hmm. you, if you gave them control, they would put on there words and phrases that were hidden because it was a doesn't work as easily now, but it, it shows you some of the tricks that were done. There are other tricks that now happen, but essentially they could get you as many hits as you liked because they would find out what was the, you go onto Google trends, you find out what's the top and then you write maybe on a white background with white text, whatever it is. So, I mean, the example I was told about was this was when Britney Spears was at her very high, height of fame and there were lots of hits and they were put onto a website that come to this website and you will see a certain part of Britney Spears anatomy and you would get hundreds of really? thousands of hits. Mark, we should make a site like that for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be disappointed when they see me then. <laughs> But I've got you, some so nice pictures of you holding guns, running around all sweaty. I know, I know, <laughs> I, I know they're going to appear. But you see, if if your criteria Sorry, is you, so funny. <laughs> I'm just having really bad pictures now. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk about were. that later. I, I I do want to talk about that experience actually because it was it was it was really uh, yeah. it was really fun but quite different. Um, you know, if you if you've got the criteria with one of these less scrupulous marketing agencies of I want to see the hits on my website go up, they'll do it. <laughs> no yeah. benefit to you whatsoever. <laughs> None of those people are suddenly going to decide to buy your software. You know, you're going to get hundreds of thousands of them, and and this is the problem. You know, and I think also at a strategic level, these organisations they tend to work with a very wide range of companies. And as regards the software sector, I mean, you and I know it moves so quickly. They haven't got a chance of keeping up with where it is, you know, and the best techniques. Um, so it's, it, you really have got to be careful how much you spend there. But you've also got to make sure your marketing works. And you've got to make sure that you're measuring the right things and you're working with the right people on that. Because yeah, it, it, you I can agree. be easily misled. I agree. I fully agree. Yeah, you can buy it. Uh, you can buy. I mean, now we're getting into the really nasty stuff, but you can buy. Um, you can buy lists and clicks and all that stuff. But it, and yeah. um, it's not. It's not. It's just air. It's. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't buy. I mean, we're we're actually Mark. You and I. We're doing the tough road, right? It's mm. like building and building and building, and it goes slowly. And but I think it's going to take. I mean, at the end, it's going to be much more sustainable. Yes, that's right. Like building or, or a house. We might just say that to keep ourselves happy, and we're just two idiots. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, I'm thinking, why shouldn't I just? <laughs> well, no, I think you do. You, you do see successes. I think you you have to build the business on strong foundations. True. Like like building a house. Um, and you know, I've just come from a marketing meeting, and we were looking at the stats over the last few months, and we were seeing that some of the changes that we've made 
have made significant differences to us, but we're, we're doing that ourselves. We've got control over the stats. We're seeing it. We know that it's valid data, and, yeah. and that's the important and, thing. And the one thing I also learned, for instance, yesterday, for instance, no, let's let's say last week I was in front of an, another rather rather large audience, a hundred people. I did a story, and I end with uh, you know you can download the value letters, or there is a YouTube you can go check, and then yes. I had let's say. Uh, several subscribers, uh, I think about 20 or 25 on YouTube. And you really saw a lot of activity on the movie side. Yesterday, I'm presenting on a new fund that opened in Belgium. There was 30 people. It was very closed doors. It was a very different uh, crowd. I do the same end slide. Nothing moves. So hmm. statistically, I see them watching to the side. But this is not the crowd that's going to subscribe to YouTube. But this is the crowd that has the true financial power to move things. You see the difference? Yes. So it's a, yes. it's a very – you sometimes say it when I come there with my vanity metrics, hey, you know what? At the end, I'm a sales guy. I just want more. And then you say, no, no, no. You, need, you, need, you actually need a few but the right ones. Yes. That, so I'm agreeing you, with you, Mark. You, you uh, that? I'm <laughs> you're going to get me stunned for words next if you yeah. start agreeing with me just too often. Don't start crying. I can't. <laughs> no, that I mean, no, that's right. You you've got to have the right message for the right audience, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that that we work with clients with. And I'm always asking them: is you know, you're, you're talking about who is your audience, and mm-hmm. and quite often this this really it does surprise me that I find that that the companies can be quite vague about who their audience is. You know, they, they will say it's 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 founders in this sector. And yeah. it doesn't the thinking doesn't go much beyond that. And I think to be really effective, you've got to know a lot about your client. You know, that's why I was saying to you, thanks for inviting me over to Belgium. I enjoyed it because I had a lot of contact with my pot- potential clients of the future. Mm-hmm. They're talking to me freely. We're exchanging ideas, had some really interesting conversations. But they're telling me about some of the issues they're facing. My job is to overcome those issues, is to help them, you know, solve them without having to necessarily figure it out with experience because that takes a long time. I, I, I love the, the little gimmick you did when you asked them to take a sheet of paper and write two sentences. And then they had to throw it to the front <laughs> To get a to get a key, uh, the key that yeah. fits within your concept. I, I thought it's well done, and then I thought at the end so it's done. I thought you're gonna collect them, but I no. Forgot. Everybody walked out, and then this one guy turned around and said, "You know, it's pretty comfortable what I wrote on it." I said, "What are you gonna do?" And I said, "I'm gonna eat it." <laughs> we actually actually to the listeners who were there, we actually destroyed them. Yes, yes, we because did. We know this is you've written your soul down, so we've literally destroyed it just to be well, clear. Do you know what that? To- do you know what that told me? Because I did pick up a few of those bits of paper when we threw them away, um, but I looked at them, and there was some really well thought out. They were answering those those questions that I threw at them. Really, honestly, that showed to me that you had a lot of trust in that room. Yeah, and it's yeah, important yeah. that that trust is. That's why abuse. I'm also. We had to destroy them afterwards. Yeah, otherwise. No, and I think that was that was really important. But it, but it it showed the quality of the event. So you know, so well done on that in that respect because that's that's the sort of environment that you need. Keep I'm, it flowing, Mark. Keep it flowing. My yeah, ego is inflating slowly, but surely. <laughs> well, I one of the one of the things that I'm looking at at the moment is 
um, is to get a group of software entrepreneurs that are about the same stage of development. That doesn't really matter where they are on that cycle. Maybe we start with one group and if it's successful, we'll start up perhaps two others who are at completely different stages. But it is to have them as part of a club where they know they're in a trusted environment that they can actually come along and say, hey, guys, I'm really worried because, you know, we're just not doing it on the sales or we've got a big problem in here. or And it's a place where they can share. There are there are sort of the fundamentals, if you like, of what we see makes businesses successful. And that's what we're always banging on about. And, and, and we're adding to that all the time. And we're learning things because of the number of companies we're coming across and because, you know, we're getting older and we, we, we learn these things over time. But also a place to share. Um, I'm just sort of mulling it over. And I know I'd mentioned it to you in the past. Mm-hmm. Maybe sort of once a quarter is getting this group together and perhaps doing one in London. Because that's now quite a hub for technology and innovation. There's a lot of money coming into London. Yeah, I'd be interested to, if there's anyone out there, you know, who's got some strong thoughts on this, um, let me know. Yeah. And because I was in London uh, last weekend with the girlfriend, we we uh, we went for three days uh, as a as a as a to say as a non-working thing, just to be walk around. Weekend away. Weekend away. And clearly, there is some money in London. <laughs> That's, there is. Uh, yeah. No, I, I love the idea, and I can actually guide some people around also because I, I like the place a lot. Did you know, as regards London, there is more investment that has come into London over the last 12 months than ever before? That's ever. Decent. You know, I speak to a lot of people that are quite pessimistic at the moment because of political things that are happening around the world. And I also think because of... The newspapers, the news media, they're more incentivized to send us bad news than they are good news. But actually, when I look with my own eyes, and that's the thing that I depend on more than I do what some journalist is telling me, I see lots of innovation. I see lots of startups or companies. There's lots of money um, available coming out of America, actually, Mm -hmm. into Europe, which I think is a really good thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the innovation in the UK. I'm really impressed by that vibe that I picked up in Belgium. It's different to London. Yeah, but they have I a, think they it's got a different language. Huh? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> no, I, but I felt I felt that there was there was a sort of a quite a, a laid back. But there was a degree of confidence there and there was a lot of energy. Mm hmm. It, it was it was difficult to describe exactly why it's different, but I did feel that that it was it was I mean some of the places that we went to, I, I quite liked them quite industrial trendy workplaces where people are mixing. It's a lot of co-working um, now, really a lot yeah. of very beautiful, really really well designed co-working. Yeah, yeah, places where you actually would want to be. You've got something to eat. You've got somewhere to go and drink all around you. It's setting up that right sort of environment. So Um, you can say, so I I gave you some really healthy food, carrot juices and that kind of stuff. Lovely. I even even photographed it and sent it to a few of my friends. It was good. Yeah. It was all part of the, when you were on stage, this thing would start inflating in your belly and then you would have another problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. that didn't work i'm still unhappy no i said to no i i'm immune beans in there <laughs> <laughs> i've got a stomach like cast iron <laughs> <laughs>
I, what, we're coming towards the end of yeah. the time now. Actually, just one final point that I wanted to sort of throw on this podcast because I've literally just come off a conversation with an organisation. I've not known them very long. I've just had a couple of conversations with them trying to sort of get a feel for what they're doing. He started to talk about what his objectives were as regards um, floating and going on NASDAQ. It's not something I come across a lot now. Um, I would say 15 years ago, probably the larger percentage of the companies in the software sector always had this ambition of growing to a certain size and then going public. Mm -hmm. It's really not so popular anymore. I don't know what you're seeing, but I'm seeing this universally. And if you look at the stats, less and less companies go public because, A, once you do, I think that there's a lot outside of your control, your share price, what happens to that. That can be very frustrating. And I think for software entrepreneurs, particularly those guys that can take an idea, can start a business and create some value on it, they they tend to be nowadays, and this is not the same, but there is a change happening in the generation. They're perhaps looking at a three or five year journey, not a 15 year journey as it used to be. And I think that they would want to move on. It's very, very costly. Yeah, to go public, really costly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think that just the stats about less and less companies are going that way. And also, why do it when there's so much money around and be, when M&A is so high? You know, yeah. look at what some of these unicorn companies, even go down a couple of tiers to some of these fast growth companies, what they've achieved in such a relatively short time. And guess what? Those, those founders are often free to, to step out of the business by which time that business has probably outgrown size of where they feel comfortable, they can go and do it again, yeah. but they can go and do it again with enough money in their bank. They never have to worry again. True. So I don't see that trend going public. And also I don't think, I think if you're going to go that route, you need to go with your eyes wide open Yeah, because it's, it, it's more risky in my view. Not always. It, it can be the solution. But it's it's definitely not the, the the sort of the ideal route for many software companies. Yeah, no, fully agree. Also, think I think it used to be a dream to get on the stock exchange, huh? the IPO. Yes, I think it's one of those things. And then and then and then some companies like Dell and some others kind of took it back. And then I think people started thinking. But you still see the big ones. I, I think it's they get into this flow and there is no escape. Like they have to. They have to do it because it's it's the dream, but but I agree. I was in a process with one company that went on the Nasdaq, and I can tell you it 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 was a horror. I mean, the amount of not only the cost but the time it took and the process, and which is ridiculous. The overhead it gave. Yes, and, I've and known legal quite a few and stuff. legal legal ruled for a year. I mean, it was crazy. We had to say no to half of the customers because they were not complying to some. Some, I mean, it could be lots of things. I mean, you, you, we couldn't even go visit the prospect unless we did a financial check on them. And like, guys, what are we doing? This, this is insane. And once that's happened, your time for the CEO, for those senior executives is no longer their own. So much of their time is going to be dictated to. They're going to have to do certain things. And those things are going to be pushed to do are probably not the things you enjoy doing. So really think about it carefully. I mean, always willing to uh, answer questions on that one if anyone's uh, thinking about that or is going through that at the moment. But think very, very carefully about it. Yeah. I'd like to have a chat with you, actually, next podcast about goals because I do – I've had a number of conversations. In fact, we had a couple in Belgium when talking to people about what their goal is. 
Yeah. And um, um, I've, I've had on a number of occasions people in their 20s saying to me that they want to be retired by the, their 30 and to have, you know, 50 million in the bank. Yeah, and, well. <laughs> <laughs> and I start to ask them why. And I think sometimes it's, it's because it's the done thing to say. You know, and I think sometimes you've got to have some sensible goals. I'm not saying restrict your goals, but I think you've got to think it through a bit more carefully sometimes. But that's a topic for another podcast, maybe. Fully agreed, Mark. Now, you've got, we've got 30 seconds. Did you, have you got any, anything you could think you could annoy me with? No. no, that's it. Sorry, no more time. <laughs> Great to speak to you. Great speaking to you, Mark. All right. And... Um, any questions? This is the Bossit Podcast. Please uh, send us any questions or anything you want us to cover. Uh, love to hear from you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.